This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. We'd like everybody to stand here at the Green Bay campus and those that are joining us at Appleton and Stevens Point. Welcome to your, the campuses there. Good to have you a part of it. And if you're joining us online as well this morning, thank you for being a part of it. By the way, I need to say this real quick. Uh, Pastor Ben, who just gave the celebration news there, he was smiling at that point, but his brackets hadn't busted yet. Now he's not smiling this morning. He's had a bracket bust. Uh, I think, anyway. Uh, anyway, we want to do this morning, as we always do at Celebration Church, uh, together recite the Apostles' Creed. It's our statement of faith here at Celebration Church is what we believe. So would you join with me at the campuses and here in Green Bay as well? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, celebration, and greetings from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, we just finished a military event uh, here for uh, uh, Special Forces soldiers out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Them and their families came down, and uh, we just had a great time tonight hanging out with them and sharing with them, making them laugh and encouraging them and spending some time with them. I mean, these are really amazing men and women who do what they do to serve our country. And uh, it was a great blessing for us to be here. So that's why we're not able to get back uh, this morning to be with you. Uh, just a quick update. I know that we have been asking for help with our uh, finances to recover from all the snowstorms and stuff. And you guys have been amazing. I mean, it's really been stunning to me. We have completely recovered now and we're back where we need to be. So praise God for that. You guys are awesome. So anyway. Thank you for your continued support and continue to support the church because we can't do this uh, without you. Um, I want to remind you about uh, First Wednesday coming up for our Bible study on, on the First Wednesday. You want to be part of that. And then uh, Easter, of course, is coming. And this, the Wednesday night between Palm Sunday and Easter, we're having a special Wednesday night service where we're going to be uh, baptizing people. If you haven't been baptized yet, you're a follower of Christ, you've never been uh, baptized as an adult, this would be a great time to do it. So uh, contact your campus pastor, get signed up, so he can join us for that baptism service. This morning we have a very special lady who's going to be bringing uh, the message this morning. Our own Becky Schomer is going to be sharing. Uh, I had her speak for the first time a little while back, and I was absolutely floored at how amazing she was. She really is a gifted 
communicator. Yes. And I called her and says, can you do it again? And she said, yeah, she'd love to. Yeah. So she's going to be picking up on our theme about forgiveness this morning. And so anyway, let's give her a big celebration welcome as we bring back our own Becky Schomer. And we'll see you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye. It's so great to be with you this morning. To those of you who are joining us online, to the families in Appleton and Stevens Point, I just want you to know how great it really is to worship together with you. Um, I want you to know that I have a really great message for you this morning. And it's important for me to tell you that because um, it generally speaking goes against all the rules of speaking to audiences to start out by making them think that what you're going to share isn't going to be worth their time. But I wanted to tell you this story of how it came to be that I have the message that I have today. So again, let me start by saying I have a really great message for you, okay? I promise you, I promise you I do. So um, it was probably back in early February when Pastor Mark had first decided that he wanted to do this series on forgiveness and especially surrounding this verse in Proverbs that it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. And he sent me a text and he said, hey, I'm gonna do this series focusing on this verse. Would you be interested in pulling together a message? And I have to tell you, it is no small thing I'm sure you can appreciate to be asked to come in and share on a Sunday morning. So I was humbled and grateful, and I accepted that, um, the opportunity to do so. And he said to me, well, start thinking about things and let me know when you feel like you might be ready um, to schedule a date. So I want you to know that I'm a total paper and pen girl. That's why you'll notice I did not bring an iPad up here with me this morning. I am totally operating off my paper. Um, it is actually typed right now. But generally speaking, I work out of a notebook, and I love to just write things down that way. So when I um, started thinking about this, I would just kind of jot some things down in my notebook. Um, you know, when things would come to mind, or I was trying to think of lessons that I've learned or been taught over time about forgiveness and this topic, and I'd write it down. And um, so it wasn't long before I reached back out to Pastor Mark and said, okay, I think I have enough ideas floating around out there that I could pull together a message whenever you would like to schedule it. So we decided that today would be the date. And um, since that time, I've been listening, as I'm sure most of you have been, to so many great messages from so many great speakers, including Pastor Mark, about this topic. And as I've been listening to them, I've been thinking, oh, that's good. Oh, hey, I, I think, and I look through my notebook, I'm like, ah, oh, I had something like that. Oh, yeah, they definitely did that better. <laughs> Toss that one out. And then I'd be listening to another one, I'd be like, oh. oh. <laughs> Toss that one out. And then again, another one, and it was, <laughs> Toss it out. You get where I'm going with this? After we've been hearing so many things. And the thing that I've discovered is this. First of all, there is something strangely invigorating about tearing out notebook paper. <laughs> I'm serious. You should do it if you haven't done it lately. I highly recommend it. The second thing is this. I believe wholeheartedly that God in the course of these last several weeks has just been pairing off those things that I've been thinking that he didn't want to have as part of the message this morning. And so I want you to know the good news is I was left with some paper in my notebook. 
Um, so that was good. And by the time I was finished writing it, I wish I should have brought it in for all of you. Um, because by the time I was done writing it all out, it's literally about 10 pages of scribbles and things all over the place, which I didn't bring in with me because I wanted to make sure I could hopefully follow my train of thought this morning. Um, but anyway, so I really am excited about the message that I have to bring to you this morning. Um, but before I jump into it, let's just pray. Oh, Lord. I thank you so very much for this church. I thank you for the people who are here and I thank you for the great work that you are doing in each and every one of our lives. And God, I thank you for your word, the Bible. I thank you that it is a lamp unto my feet and it is a sword in my hand. And God, I pray this morning that you would open up our ears and you would open up our hearts to the truth that you have, us to, that you have for us to discover and I pray that we would be changed by the things that we hear. And most importantly this morning, Lord, I pray that there would be less of me and more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, friends. So our trek through the Bible this morning is gonna begin with the verse that Pastor Mark has been surrounding this entire series with. It has probably become familiar to most of you by now if you've been with us over the last several weeks. Most of us can probably say it by heart, but this is where we're gonna start. So we're gonna put it up, and if you know it, you can just say it right along with us. It is Proverbs 19.11. Actually, why don't you say it with me? It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Oh, they started earlier than that, sorry. Um, that second part of it is the one that I was obviously gonna pull up. So the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. The things that are written there, they're not promises. They're not commands. They're these little nuggets of wisdom for us. And the majority of the book of Proverbs was actually written by the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon. So you know if it's written there, it's something that's worth us paying attention to, right? So I thought that we should begin this morning by kind of pulling apart that verse a little bit. Uh, because when I looked at it, and I looked at the beginning, and it says, it is to one's glory. Now, I understood inherently kind of what it means to overlook an offense, but I really kind of got caught on this first part about it being to one's glory. Because when I read the Bible, it's very clear that all glory belongs to God, right? So I thought, well, if something is meant to be to my glory, then doesn't that mean that I really shouldn't do it? But it's quite clear that Solomon was telling us that we should do this, that overlooking an offense would be something that would be good for us. So I realized that it was really important for us to understand the nature of glory. And I wanna share with you the sweetest definition that I've ever heard for it. Um, it was probably about two years ago. We were doing a series in TNT. I'm usually in with the grade school kids. And we were talking about how God created the earth and everything in it for his glory. And I asked the kids one day, I said, can anybody tell me what it means to give God glory? What does it mean that it's all for his glory? And this sweet little peanut raised their hand and I called on them. And they just thought for a moment, and then they said, I think it's like taking a spotlight and just turning it to God. And I thought, ooh, that's good. That'll preach, young one. <laughs> and it's about to, let me tell you. Anyway, so if that's the idea behind glory, that it's just putting that spotlight on God. When, the, when Solomon said that it is to 
our glory to overlook offense. I needed to dig into that a little bit and figure out what it means. And here's what I discovered. You know, the Bible tells us that each and every one of us are created in God's image. And when we give our lives to Christ, when we become a follower of him, it also tells us that we should continue to grow and to become more and more like his image. So here's the cool thing. You know, um, where's the best place to see a reflection of something? It's in a mirror, right? But what happens when a light is cast on a mirror? What happens to it? It reflects. It bounces right away. So really, what we're being told here is that when it is to our glory, it's like that spotlight goes on us, and then when it hits us, it just reflects right back up to the one who it belongs to. Okay? So I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, that's just really cool. So in essence, what it's telling us is that for us to truly, um, for that glory to come our way, it means that we have come to a point in our spiritual walk where we have reached some point of maturity or grace or understanding that our lives are starting to reflect the one who made us. And I gotta tell you, if there's wisdom out there telling me how to do a better job of reflecting what it is to look like God, that is wisdom worth listening to, right? Okay, so that's the beginning. It is to one's glory. Um, so that next part to overlook is pretty understandable to most of us, right? So when we overlook something, actually when you look at the Hebrew of that word, it kind of gives the idea of alienating yourself. Um, and then we go on to that and the last part of it is, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now I'm sure it won't surprise you at all when I tell you that when I looked up the definition of offense, the words that I found were things like transgression, trespassed, uh, breach of trust, or sin. So it's in essence a wrong that is inflicted upon us. We can't control it. It's kind of like, there's a reason that I brought this box out here, obviously. So it's kind of like this. It's kind of like somebody comes up to us with whatever thing it is that they have against us that day, and they're like, bam! It hits us. We didn't know it was coming necessarily. We had no control over it. It is something that is done to us, okay? Now, I appreciate the wisdom of Proverbs, but as a New Testament believer, if I am going to um, make sure that I understand this right, then I need to understand what the New Testament has to say also about this topic of offense. So I want you to know that I went there and I started to do some digging. Now the issue is the Old Testament is all written in Hebrew. The New Testament is all written, well, primarily in Greek. So they're not the same words. I couldn't find the same word that Solomon used about this offense ugh, in the New Testament. So what I did is I started to do a search on the English word offense. And it brought me actually to two different words. Now the first one is actually a term that people who do archery will use. And it basically means to miss the mark. Okay, now when I dug into that one, generally speaking, it started to kind of give this definition of the idea of just in general what we understand today as sin. It is missing the mark. And now while it is always valuable to be talking about sin, especially in a church service, 
The thing that it was missing is kind of that interpersonal struggle point that comes up with this kind of conflict when somebody has truly done wrong to us. And I realized that it's actually um, that kind of sin that is probably where we offend God. It is our separation from Him. But I wanted to focus today on that offense that separates us from each other, that is an interpersonal struggle with each other. So I looked at the other word, and what I found was really interesting. The first time, the first verse that I found that used this other word um, that's translated in the Greek as offense is in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 23. We're going to put it up there for you real quick. It says, blessed is the one, oh, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. And he said, blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. So I read this and I thought, what? Who can be offended by Jesus? He was perfect, right? But the truth of the matter is, there were a lot of people who were offended by Jesus. The Jewish people were very offended by Jesus. They didn't like his parents. They didn't like the fact that he was a tradesman. They didn't like how undereducated he was for their standards. John the Baptist, his disciples, were also offended by Jesus. They were offended that his disciples, Jesus' disciples, didn't fast like they did. And they were offended that Jesus didn't live a lifestyle that looked like the life of John the Baptist. And I have to be honest with you, I thought about this and I thought, I can remember being offended by Jesus. Before I was ever a Christian, I can remember searching through radio stations. I don't know if anybody else ever had this happen to them. And I'd be flying through radio stations and I'd stop on one and I'd hear them say, Jesus. And my reaction was, whoa. And I'd change the station. Now, had Jesus ever done wrong to me? No. Did Jesus trespass ugh, and offend against the Jewish people? No, he was without sin. Did he ever transgress against John the Baptist's disciples? Again, the answer is no, he didn't. Um, the Hebrew word, or, so the Hebrew word, I told you, for offense implies that something is done to you. The Greek word that I looked at, get a hold of this one. It's scandalizo. Don't I make it sound Italian? I want you to know I don't speak Italian. But nor do I speak Greek, so I really have no idea how it's supposed to be pronounced. But the, but the word is scandalizo. It is the exact word that we get the English word scandal from. I looked Scandalizo up on my handy-dandy little Bible app because um, I wanted to understand this a little bit better. Um, and I learned some really interesting things about it. Um, the first is what I described to you um, of Jesus with the Jewish people and with John's disciples as well. It is an offense. Um, and oh, let me explain this to you actually a little bit better. So this Hebrew definition, I told you it's something that happens to you 
This Greek idea, the skandalizo, actually, I, um, I looked up the definition of it, and it says that, um, let me find it, it is putting a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip or fall. I'm going to read that one more time for you. It is putting a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip or fall. So you see while that Old Testament concept of, of offense was somebody doing to you, this New Testament concept is kind of like this. It's dragging it around and seeing who you can push it in front of, who you can become the stumbling block to, who you could trip up and fall. And I thought about it and I thought, you know what, I feel like that action of having something done to you is far more dangerous than somebody trying to like trip you up wherever you go. But the truth of the matter is, this New Testament, this scandalizo offense, is the kind of offense that led Jesus to the cross. It is way more dangerous than we think it might be at first glance. And it is so important that we start to get a hold of what it is and how it works in our lives. So I told you I looked it up on my app, and I found out that scandalizo um, is basically, it um, has three basic characteristics to it. The first one is the offense that I talked to you about. Um, and it was interesting, the definition they said, it's when you, um, hold on, let me find it exactly. It's when we see something in another that we disapprove of and it hinders us from acknowledging the person's authority. When we see something in another person that we disapprove of and it hinders us from um, acknowledging the person's authority. Can I tell you what I think the clearest example of this is today? I'm not getting political, but I think it's a perfect example, and it is President Donald Trump. I think so many people will look um, at the way he conducts his tweets in particular. We'll just, we'll just use that one <laughs> this morning. And it's very easy to look at that and disapprove. And it may not even be the disapproval of the concepts or the ideas, but it's very easy to disapprove of the tone that seems to be conveyed in that. And because of that disapproval, very often people will say, well, I don't need to sit under his authority as my president. Guess what, my friends? Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. The Bible is quite clear about our need to sit underneath the authority of others. Read Romans 12, it will tell you all about it. But you know, we have other authorities in our lives. Um, we have bosses who maybe annoy us with some of their personal habits. We have teachers, some of you who are students, who show favoritism. They give kids A's who aren't even doing the work. And when this idea of offense starts to brew up in us, it becomes really easy to think, I don't need to have anything to do with them. They're not my authority. And honestly, the Bible tells us that each and every one of us are supposed to submit to one another. You know what that means? Each and every one of you in this room has a degree of authority over my life. And I should have a degree of authority in yours. But when we start to see those things that we disapprove of, it starts to work in us a little bit and it keeps us from acknowledging that authority. That was the first characteristic. The second one is this. 
This scandalizo, it is the kind of offense that entices us to sin. And I want you to look at where, where I found this one. It's in Mark 9, um, verse 42. And before we read it, I want you to know that I'm going to show it to you in the King James Version. Um, if you are new to Celebration Church, I want you to know that we don't typically read from the King James Version. Um, and you're going to find out why after I show you a few other verses. Um, however, it is one of the oldest English translations, and therefore it is faithful to use this word offense in context. More modern translations have changed it. They've changed the word. Um, and although that helps us in some situations, in other situations it doesn't because we lose the meaning then, the richness of really what was originally intended. So Mark chapter 9, verse 42 in the King James Version says this. And whosoever will offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Now modern translations will read this as whoever causes one of these young ones to stumble or to sin or to fall away. Um, but the idea is that we bring our offense, we bring our disapproving thoughts, we bring our scandal, and it impacts, in this case it's a child, but it impacts the people around us. Remember what that definition was? It causes another to stumble. Our offense, our disapproval of something can cause another to stumble. And the Bible is pretty clear that when that happens, and especially if it's happening to young ones, that is a bad place to be, my friends. Now I want you to know I realize that most of us are not good at controlling our words, especially when we feel that like righteous frustration about something. But we usually do a better job around kids than we do around probably most of the adults in our lives. But I want you to know that our attitudes and our actions are always caught. And you may not even be saying those words, but we can be setting up a stumbling block for somebody else to fall over. We need to be cautious. Um, that same form of the word actually can be applied to ourselves as well. Um, and it's in those places in the Bible where we hear things like, if your right hand causes you to sin, you should cut it off. Wow. I read that the first time and I was like, what are they talking about? Now, clearly they're not talking about literally, but if we understand this word offense, if your right hand offends you. So in other words, it's, it's taking on its own life. It's doing its own thing because it no longer, we're no longer responding to the authority. They're saying it would be better for you just chop that bad boy off and don't have anything to do with it. That's how strong God feels about this idea that we need to be careful not to be enticed into sin. Now, if that's not bad enough, there is one more characteristic of this scandalizo, and it's this. We read about it in Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21. And now you're gonna quickly see why, generally speaking, we do not use the King James Version here in our church. Um, but I need you to know that Jesus is telling the parable of the sower here. And if you are not familiar with it, he tells this story about a farmer who goes out and set, spreads seed in his, um, in his fields. And he's talking about the different kinds of soil that it falls upon and what happens. Now the seed that he's talking about is the word of God. It is 
is the good news about Jesus himself, okay? So we pick it up at verse 20, and he's now describing one of the types of soil, and he says this. Again, you're gonna find out why we don't usually read King James. He says, but he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Shall I translate for you right there? Basically what it's saying is this is the person who hears the word and they very quickly receive it and they receive it with great joy, okay? But then it goes on to say, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, and here's why I'm using King James, by and by he is offended. You see what they're saying there is they don't have deep roots yet. So when persecution and challenges come their way, especially because of their faith, when people start sharing some of those disapproving ideas that they have, people are literally falling away from faith. This shouldn't be. The picture that I want you to get this morning is that when we drag this around, this scandalizo, inevitably at some point, you're gonna trip over it. If you carry this with you every day, you know you're gonna trip, right? But the real danger is in the fact that, generally speaking, this kind of offense trips up somebody else. And it's oftentimes those who are younger in the faith than we are. It shouldn't be. It does not reflect well on God. It is not something that we want to put a spotlight on, is it? But my goal today isn't to leave you feeling badly about yourselves. Everybody say, praise God. Um, <laughs> but I want you to know that it is possible to overlook or to alienate yourself from this kind of offense. And I have to be honest with you, when we alienate ourselves from this kind of offense, what we're really doing is protecting other people from us. It's a sad reality, but we need to do that because there is no temptation that has seized us except what is common to man. We all struggle with this. We all do it. But the good news is Jesus told us that there's a solution. It's not just a, hey, people, let's get over it. Let's alienate ourselves from offense. No, there's a solution. He tells us in John 16:1. he says this, these things I have spoken unto thee, that ye shall not be offended. Well, that sounds like good news, but it begs the question, what? What did he write? What did he speak? What did he say? So when I'm in my Bible, here's what I do, because again, I'm a paper girl. You gotta turn back the page. And I looked into chapter 15 of the book of John, and I heard all kinds of amazing things. Things like, he is the vine. I am the branches. Anybody who remains in him, remains with him. Oh, that was cool. And then I read also about the Holy Spirit. I read in that place too that Jesus reminded us that people hated him first. So when we get disapproval from others, we can know we are in good company. Oh. That's good stuff. And then I flipped it back to chapter 14. And guess what? That's where I heard about how Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Do you see where I'm going here? Jesus told us there's a solution so that we don't have to be a people who get caught up 
in disapproving of, of all the things that we see around us that end up creating stumbling blocks for people around us. And the way to do that is to know the things he has said. And my friends, that doesn't happen by attending a church service once a week. It's good, it's important, but it is not enough. It requires each and every one of us to be diligent about getting in our Bibles, about reading for ourselves what it is that Jesus said. We need to read it, and then we need to read it again, and then we need to read it in a different version, and then we're gonna go and read it again. And what we will discover is that as we are spending that time getting into his word, he is gonna be so faithful to change us more into his likeness. And that's a pretty great promise, don't you think? And that one is a promise that you can take home with you. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's without effort. Nothing worthwhile is easy or without effort. And this one does require some effort on our part. But if you will do it, you will continue to grow in his image. And when the proverb says that it will become to your glory that you are overlooking offense, you can know that you are reflecting the beautiful image of the one who made you. And that's pretty cool. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so very much for your word. I thank you that you gave us Jesus and he gave him all those years on this earth to share the things that he knew to be true. And God, I pray that each and every one of us in this room, we would just get a fresh fire within us to start reading your word. And God, if we've tried it before and we had a hard time with it, I just pray that you would just pour your spirit over us so that we would just have an understanding, that we would begin to read it and understand and learn things and be changed by it. God, I thank you that your, that your word is a sword that way. It's powerful and it can keep the enemy at bay when he tries to get us tripped up in all that wrong thinking. We just love you so much and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, thank you.